Well, it's great to be here, and I hope you feel the same way. <laughs> Good. And we've got great opportunities, really. And in fact, there's one tremendous opportunity that I think we just need to be reminded of. Operation Christmas Child means that you can fill a shoebox, goes overseas to a whole bunch of different countries. But the upside of that is, with over 700 that were sent last year, over 700,000, that is, uh, throughout Canada, out of that, over 100,000 children came to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Because they have incorporated in that a, a discipleship program whereby they fully understand what it means to become a Christian. And I'm telling you what, you talk about a wonderful way to spread the gospel throughout the world. I mean, this just gives us everybody a way to do that. And we have the head honcho for all of Atlantic Canada here, Darren Murray. And so, Darren, would you just stand up so everybody can see if they have any questions. Turn around, smile your pretty face. And uh, I was at a, at a launch of this year's uh, thrust, and my, I was just so moved, so touched. There's so much that's going on. It's absolutely wonderful. Well, um, Last Sunday, I desperately tried to get the names of people I hadn't met before and probably got about a third of them. I did get 53 names, and I got 37 of them in my brain, uh, but then the rest I wasn't just sure, and we've been working on it. And so I've been going up to people this morning, left and right, calling them by the wrong name. <laughs> and uh, now not maybe, not a lot, I have, that hasn't been the case, but a few. And it reminded me of something. We had a couple here in the church who, who led the music years ago, Mark and Lori Welch. And uh, they were both these outstanding personalities. When they would go into a room, you didn't have to turn the lights on. They would just light up the room with their personalities. And so they were really into getting to know people. And I just happened to be down at McDonald's. They didn't know I was there, uh, down at the little uh, fast food place. And... They were, they were talking to somebody, and, of course, Mark was always trying to impress people that he would remember their names, and so he couldn't quite get a hold of their name, and, and he said to these folks, and how do you spell your name? <laughs> and the guy said, W-O-O-D. Very <laughs> difficult name to spell, you understand. But, uh, and so I'm, I'm having a little challenge with all of that, but it's, uh, you'll understand when there's so many, and there's still a lot of people that I haven't got to know yet. I want you to look in your Bibles, please, if you would, to Joshua chapter 14, and we're, the, the Scripture is 7 to 15, Joshua 14, 7 to 15. And there's a key verse called, in the 14th, verse, the 12th, 14th chapter, the 12th verse, Give me this mountain. And that was said by Caleb, who at the time was 85 years old, and he was charged to get up that mountain and to conquer what God had promised that he was able to conquer. And, and the thing that I, I would like for us to look, remember, and look in, the, look in verses 7 and 8. He said, I was 40 years old when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. This was the land that was promised, had all kinds of obstacles. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. That's a, that's a key thing, my convictions. Thank God for people who've got conviction. 
And they never waver from those convictions. And they maintain those convictions. And they live by those convictions. But they sent a whole lot of others over there. And he said, my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord with my, the Lord my God wholeheartedly. In other words, he fully followed the Lord. And when a person has deep conviction that is driven by faith in what God has promised he would do, let me say this to you, and I, 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 hope, I, can, I hope we can get this. When there's that kind of conviction, we see things in a totally different way. We will see things that other people don't see the same way at all. And they don't, can hardly believe that we would even see it that way. But because of conviction that is driven by a continued faith, we will see things in a totally, totally different way. And this is certainly true of Caleb in the Numbers chapter 13, verse 28. It says, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We saw the descendants of Anak there. Now, they, that just scared them to death, the others. It scared all the others to death. The obstacles, the difficulties, the hurdles, the problems. And we all face them in life. And so I would ask you this morning, what is your mountain that maybe you need to climb, that God would have you to climb? And maybe you've given up on climbing it, but you need to have that faith renewed today and decide and renew and rededicate your life that you're going to climb that mountain that has been so huge to you that has kept you from all that you know you should, should have, that God would want you to have, and you should be and God would want you to be, and you have kind of, well, melt, been melted by fear as these people were. And then it says in the 14th chapter of the 8th verse in Numbers if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Now, they could be sure, I should say Caleb could be sure, that God was going to give him what he had promised because of the fact that he pleased the Lord by following him wholly, wholeheartedly, with all of his heart. And therefore, because he pleased the Lord, the Lord would be pleased to give him what he had promised. And that is really the essence of it all in our Christian walk, in our Christian faith. We will see things differently. We will think differently. We will hear differently when we have conviction that is driven by faith in God's promises that he will see us through. I, I don't know quite how to drive this home entirely, but I, I just need to say this for many of you that have never even heard me preach, and a few of you who have, some of you who have. Um, when I first came here to Moncton, there was a, a very negative attitude in the church in general. I don't mean this church. I just mean the and in the city. And, and it just seemed like the, the attitude of the city was the church is an antiquated, useless, irrelevant organization that is dead and it should be buried. That was kind of the attitude that I seemed to get. There were no growing churches in that day. And here are very many other places in Atlantic Canada. And, and I just felt 
God had called me to something different than that. And old Nehemiah, he said, what God put in my heart to do, and I'll tell you, I fought the call so hard that, that when I yielded to it, it just meant that so much more. And I just knew it was what God had put in my heart to do, and that was not God's plan for his church, that it be a dead, dismal, dark a discouraged group of people that are half out of business. He, I believed he had something different. And I remember I would hear all the time, just seemingly, just constant, when I would talk about what I believed God could do. And you get all kinds of pushback from every direction. And people would say, well, just because it works someplace else doesn't necessarily mean it'll work here. And I heard that song sung so much. And I like to say, just because it works someplace else doesn't necessarily mean it won't work here. And if it's a promise that is based on the living, inspired Word of God, it will work anywhere where there are people with a pulse. And God was pleased because this was in harmony with His purpose. And so He was pleased to bless what we believed that the church ought to be and what we believed that God was ready, willing, and waiting and wanting to do. And so as we pursued that with all kinds of different pushback uh, because we felt that we needed to just have the conviction that goes with a persevering faith and maintain that conviction in the deepest and darkest hours that there may be in the process of going toward the goal of climbing that mountain that God has for each and every one of us to climb. So there needs to be a strong purpose. There needs to be faith. You know, listen, let, let's, we should try to figure this out a little bit. If we don't believe what should happen can happen, it's never going to happen. But if we believe, whether it's happening or not, and we keep believing that it's going to happen because it would please the Lord for it to happen, and we maintain that faith, then we will see it happen if we fully follow the Lord. That is the whole key to it all, is fully following the Lord. Faith is in. Fear is out. That's the kind of pursuit there will be when we fully follow the Lord. We'll get rid of fear, and we will have faith. You see, faith is the oil in the machinery of life that causes everything to run smoothly. But fear is the sand in the machinery that causes everything to slow down and break down. And so as we have a kind of persevering faith... What, like what Caleb had. Now, 45 years, he maintained that kind of faith. And that faith never seemed to waver in all of that time. And, you know, when I think of all the obstacles that we all have to face in life, I, I, I cannot help but think of those men in the Bible that went after the man that was sick with a palsy, and they believed if they could get this man to Jesus. Now, here's the key. They believed. They believed that if they would, were able to get this man to Jesus, that, that, they, that he would be healed. This guy would be healed. He'd be transformed. But look what happened. 
They ran into all kinds of obstacles that would make nine people out of ten, maybe 99 out of 100, give up. Because all these problem-imaginating, failure-predicting, obstacle-envisioning Pharisees were standing around and keeping them from getting this man to Jesus. Now listen, here's what happens. When we have great faith and great purpose, we'll have great creativity. We'll come up with a plan. God will give us a plan. It will, it will be It'll come from our own thinking and our own ideas that, that because of that's a product of having that faith and that believability and that perseverance. And so what happened? These guys just believe we can just get that man to Christ. Now we hear this story so much I don't think it has the impact, but they, they just think what this, the awful thing they did. They tore a man's roof off of his house. I mean, who would do that? But they were so determined, they had so much faith. They could see what could happen as a result of tearing that roof off and letting this man down in front of Christ. And so they went ahead and did something that was so criticized you could never imagine. And so it is, my friends. If we're going to see God work in a miraculous way, then we will have that faith to keep believing and keep seeing, a faith that never wavers. And he will be pleased, you know, as some of you would know, back a long time ago, we developed this manifesto about our purpose and about our cause and all of that. And, uh, and I remember reading Rick Warren's book. He's the guy that was the, probably the most famous author. He sold more books than anybody ever did, and at least one of his books, uh, Purpose Driven Life. And then he wrote a book, The Purpose Driven Church, which not so many people would have read, but I read the book from cover to cover. And as I saw that word purpose in purpose-driven church, I, w I thought, I wonder in the manifesto I wrote back there if the word purpose is in there. And so I went and read it over again looking for that word. That word purpose was in there 11 times. So I figured Rick Warren must have got a hold of my manifesto. <laughs> and as a result, he wrote the book purpose-driven church. <laughs> well, that's, that's a little too much faith, you know, but anyway. But, what I, but the point I want to make of this is if we have a purpose that is strong enough and deep enough and we have enough conviction about that purpose, all the devils in hell cannot keep us from seeing that purpose fulfilled. If we believe and we keep persevering as we see this happen, you know, I said, uh, well, let me just preface it by saying this, you know, People who do not have purpose, they want to go back to the way things were. They, that's, what, that's what these people, the children of Israel, they wanted to go back. They didn't want to face the challenges and the difficulties and the obstacles. They'd sooner be back in Egypt where they were in bondage and, and all the terrible things there. But I'll tell you what, we're all going, listen, anytime we, there's something great to be done for God in our individual lives or in his church, there's going to be plenty of opposition and plenty of pushback. And we may as well just understand that, but not let that deter us. I mentioned to you last summer I preached here and uh, about the cake of success or the cake of victory. And the cake of victory is made up of failure. That's the main ingredient in the cake of success. But I tried to make the point, and I mentioned about Beth Steves in our church here who has this most wonderful chocolate cake with boiled frosting. 
and uh, how that, I don't know what the ingredients are, but it's victory all the way, I'll tell you. <laughs> and so, um, anyway, I, I, I mentioned that the cake of success is made, the main ingredient is failure, but it is perseverance. And I could say faith of perseverance that cooks that cake to perfection. But so many people give up partway through, and we just, oh, kept 45 years. Think of it. 45 years he kept this, this cause, this purpose, this plan, and what God wanted, he kept that in view and did not divert from that because he has a faith that did not waver. And by the way, the cake illustration worked because Beth brought in this most beautiful chocolate cake here last week, and I had the biggest piece of anybody on the staff. So if you hear hints like that, just follow through, will you please? <laughs> A dual purpose. We read in, in uh, Romans Chapter 4, verses 20. This is about Abraham. Yet he did not waver. See how God blessed Abraham? He did not waver. Through unbelief, that's what causes people to waver. I guess it's never going to happen, and you get all these naysayers. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened. Now listen, when we don't waver, we get stronger. There it is right there. He was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Are you persuaded this morning? He's got that power. He will do it as we have a faith that does not waver. He could claim the mountain because he wholly followed the Lord. He could claim the mountain because he had a faith that did not waver. It was understandable that he could, without apology, say, Give me this mountain. And I say to any one of us here today, whatever mountain there may be in your life, whatever stronghold there may be in your life, whatever there may be in your life that's holding you back from fully following the Lord or getting you distracted or keeping you from God's rich and wonderful blessing to be able to see the successes and the victories that he wants you to see, I'm saying to you, maintain a persevering faith with conviction and don't give up and you will see it happen to the glory of God as you persevere and keep climbing that mountain. What made the difference? It was faith. The majority that went over there and they saw all, they wanted to spy out the land. We've all uh, heard about that. They wanted to spy the land and they were overtaken and overwhelmed by all the opposition and the giants that were in the land. But the part that Caleb went to had more giants than any other place. So these people who were weak in faith, the majority trembled, but Caleb triumphed. The majority had great giants, but Caleb had a great God. And whatever the giants that are in any of our lives, let me say to us this morning, God is greater than any giant that you may have to, that you may face in your life. And then you can see the results of that faith that does not waver. I forgot to look what time I got up here again. Father, forgive me. <laughs> you might get some. She just said to keep going. I think there might be some people who might not agree with that. But anyway, we're not going to worry about that. When I first came here, 
Uh, no, what, I shouldn't say when I first came here. After I've been here for a while, we're going through some real difficulties. And, whether, and it could have been more me than anything else. And I'm not blaming anybody. But I was battle-worn, battle-weary, battle-bruised. And, and just in, in and of myself wanted to get out of here. Because the pressure and the pain of it all was, was so heavy. And, uh, and, and I, I mean... Here's, here's the interesting thing. Right when the pressures were the worst, the pain was the most, is when I was getting the greatest opportunities and invitations to go elsewhere. And I remember our general church called on me to be the general secretary of evangelism in, in our denomination, which I knew how that worked. Eventually, you most likely become a general superintendent. That's kind of the way the process happened. I'm not saying I, that would have ever happened with me, but that does happen. And, and, and so... They said, would you pray about it? And I said, well, I've already prayed about it. And they said, will you pray about it again? And, and, I, I, and what I prayed about was God had me here no matter what the opportunities and, and what uh, places there were. I remember, and I had to call them back and say no. And then I remember uh, I was out in North Dakota speaking at a conference out there, and some people traveled all night from Calgary. Calgary was booming. There was a great big church there. This is back in the early 80s. They put... now. They put plans in front of me that were $300,000 to build a new facility at a cost of $11 million, which would be twice that much today, and wanted me to come and pastor the church. And here, and here I was having all kinds of difficulties, all kinds of setbacks, all kinds of hurts, all kinds of obstacles, all kinds of pushback, and, and, and yet I had to say to them, I cannot do it. The salary was twice as much as what is getting here, by the way. That doesn't mean anything. I mean, I've, the church has used me 100%, used us, I should say, 100% perfectly. No complaints whatsoever, but I'm just throwing that in there. And, and, and so, and so I, I just had to say, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry you traveled, traveled all this distance to come and talk about it, but I cannot do it because I have a faith and a belief that Atlantic Canada needs a vibrant, alive church that is setting the example and seeing people come to Christ and change by the power of the gospel, and we cannot do it. Our greatest church at that time was Skyline Church out in San Diego, California. Nobody hates the cold and the snow any more than I do and loves the sunshine as much as I do. And they sent a delegation from their church to come here and ask me if I'd go out there and pastor that church. And I again had to say, I'm sorry, I will, there's no place on God's earth. That's the closest thing to heaven that I know. No place on this earth that I'd sooner be than in, than in San Diego, California. But I had to say, no, and here just a few years before I finished here, a man came through the doors here, and he said, Pastor, do you remember me? I said, no, I, I don't, I couldn't, I seemed familiar, but I mean, we're talking now, well, that was back in the early 80s, so however long ago that would have been, and uh, he said, well, we came here from our church to ask, talk to you about becoming pastor of our church, Skyline Wesleyan Church in San Diego. Ah, oh, yeah, then it the, the lights came on, and then here's what he said. You talk about a vindication of sticking by the stuff and doing the right thing. He said, we would give our right arm to have a facility like this. <laughs> I would never guess who that might have been. But I'm just, but the point is, I want to make the point. There's a mountain to be climbed. There are obstacles to be faced. There are giants that are going to threaten us and keep us from going forward. But try to, try to keep us from going forward. 
Well, I'm quarter way through the message. <laughs> and hopefully that is a joke. <laughs> Secondly, Caleb had a strength that never weakened. Look in that 11th verse. He said, I still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to the battle now as I was then. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Don't you love that kind of a spirit? You know, some people, they're so dead. And especially they think they're supposed to be in the dying process when they get to a certain age. That they just haven't made it official. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Oh, my, oh, my. You know, when there's a faith that never wavers, that will give us the strength that will never weaken. And we can keep going forward. I hear people when they get to be a certain age. By the way, I've been getting a senior's coffee for 26 years. So that might tell you just what stage of the game I'm in without spelling it out. And, uh, and so they, they think we, they got to slow down. Great night. This is no time to slow down. This is the time to speed up. We haven't got much time left. Let's go for it. You know, I used, to, I used to pause for yellow lights. Now I speed through those yellow lights. It's not time. We, got a, uh, we just bought a different car here a year ago. It's got a turbocharged motor. If there's ever a time in my life to have a turbocharged in a car, this is the time. There's so much to do. And people who are energized to do like Caleb did are the people who are really alive. Those are the people who continue to grow. Those are the people who are not in the the giving up mode. You know, I'm not impressed with adding birthday to my life. What I'm impressed with is adding life to my birthday. And, and, uh, you know, I've got to tell you, I'm I'm, I'm trying to do this to help some of you dying people to come with it. But, (laughs) you know, I go down, I walk in the mall this time of the year, just start doing that. Man, there's people sitting around, same people every week. They look like they're so depressed looking. They sit there. They just watch the people go by. Same people. Most depressing thing I could ever imagine. They look at two, I'll tell you. But, but you know, I am the most retired person in the city of Moncton. I really am. Do you know why I say that? The definition of retirement is doing what you like to do. In fact... In fact, I have been retired all my life. (laughs) And it's wonderful to be able to be like Caleb and keep keep climbing that mountain because we need to keep changing. Growth means change. That's the excitement of life. That's what brings joy when we're seeing change and growth. Everybody sees the need for change, but not everybody wants to do what you need to do in order to change. And sometimes that is the rub. But Caleb, he kept going. You know, I recently, I recently spoke to the seniors. And I, <laughs> I, call, I call them the seniors. Um, <laughs> I haven't got around to calling we seniors yet. But anyway, uh, ex- wonderful group. They got, they, they're the type, I think, as near as I can read, have got faith and believe. Anyway, they set a goal to have twice as many people on that 
Thursday morning in seniors, and I had the high privilege of being able to speak to them. They, instead of doubling their goal, they went way over doubling, not doubling their goal. Uh, way, instead of doubling their attendance, rather, they went over doubling their attendance by quite a little bit. And those seniors, because they'd worked at it, they were a part of it, they were willing to take steps to make it happen, they were more excited than any group of teenagers I've ever seen in all my life. And that, to me, my friends, is kind of the way it should be. So what is the key? The key is found in that uh, 24th verse, if I can find it in here someplace. But the key was they fully followed the Lord. And when we fully follow the Lord, we're going to be willing to do some things, to make some changes that need to be made. Recently, I spoke in a, a booming church here in Atlantic Canada that's just growing by leaps and bounds. But not everybody's excited about it. You've got a few naysayers that are kind of dragging their heels. And so I talked about this whole thing of fully following the Lord. And, and, and we, we've got the greatest example of all that that is possible to have. If we're going to fully follow the Lord, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane facing the cross, and that was, no more, that was not any easier for him than it would be for any of us because he was as much man as if he had never been God. And then he was as much God if he had never been man. But as, God, as a man, he faced the cross with all of his pain and rejection and, and hurt. I mean, it's hard for us to comprehend that, but it was not easy. But he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But here's what he said. Not my will, but your will. Do you know what I think is one of the best definitions of a full follower of Jesus Christ, wholeheartedly following God? Is when we can come to the place where we say, not what I want, not my will, but whether I want it or not, I want what you want, God. I, I may not like it. It may not be comfortable. It, it may be something that is causing me a lot of pain. But if it's your will, I am going to be 100% for it. And I'll tell you what, my friends, that is when we get into a level of freedom that we may never have known. Because when push comes to shove, too many people, selfishness, when it's a decision, let me put it this way, when it's a decision between what they want and what God wants, if we really evaluate it carefully enough with an awful lot of people, what they want wins out. And it's not about his will, it's about our will. And we can never experience the blessing, the victory of climbing that mountain unless we can be a full follower. That's really what it means to be a full follower of Jesus Christ. Not about me, but it's about the greater good and his cause. I uh, started to tell you about being in this booming church. And uh, somebody that was kind of dragging their heels put on their communication card after the service. I had an awakening moment today. In fact, they said, first of all, wow, with an exclamation mark. What an eye-opener. A reminder of what we are here for. It is not me. It's not about me. It's all about his will and the greater good. This is what they wrote. 
I've, now here, try to hear this. I focus so much on what I think I deserve, it is not about that at all. If I change my thinking, faith, and perspective, God's will is the greatest for me. That's how you have your own way and get what you want, is yield to His will rather than your own will. And then all that He has potentially for you can be yours through His great grace and His wonderful, uh, His wonderful power. we got to keep growing a, a strength that never weakened. Then two things I can say real fast. A blessing that was never wasted. 15 Chapter 15, verses, uh, verse 19. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. Now, what is that saying to us? Caleb was not only wanting to get stuff for himself. He was wanting to be a blessing to others. So he gave away this land that had the, the, the upper and lower springs, the best part of the whole thing. He gave it to somebody else. He gave it to his family. And, of course, that would go on and on. And so what I'm saying to us this morning, when we have a, a faith that does not waver, a strength that does not weaken, then we, will have, we can have a blessing that will not be wasted because we can bless others. Last Sunday, I tried to emphasize this with everything I knew to do to emphasize it. And uh, I, I think that every person here could be a blessing to somebody else before you even leave this building. You could introduce yourself to somebody you don't know, get to know them, to make them feel welcome. They may have been here, they may be here today for the first Sunday. There were several here last Sunday for the first Sunday. Or they may just feel lonely and, and, and something may come from that that will be an encouragement to them. You may be able to speak some kind of a kind word of encouragement. Now you say, but I need that myself. Listen, the Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. It doesn't say give it if you got it. You give it and then you get it. That's the, that's the way this all works in the, whole, in the whole scheme of everything. Just to drive that home, I do consultations with churches all over, really all over Canada. Well, not just Canada. Um, uh, all over North America, I would say. In fact, I got some lined up for Florida. Hallelujah. But anyway, for consultation, but most of them are here in Atlantic Canada. And, and it's quite a little process we go through. But what I do before I have a consultation weekend with a church, I visit the church unannounced. And the reason I visit unannounced, I just want to see what all is going on so that can be a part of the recommendations. This is just unbelievable that you probably will not believe me, but that's your problem. <laughs> if I go into a church where people do not know who I am, nobody speaks to me except the official greeters. They think they're being friendly. They really do. They, and, and when I have an interview with those folks, the leaders of the church, they said, the greatest thing about this church, just about every church we do, is the friendliness of the people. They don't have a clue because they're being friendly with each other. And so I'm saying to us, now, I know that's not comfortable, but what's that got to do with anything? I mean, we haven't got to go to a cross. 
to go up to somebody and introduce ourselves and seek to bless that person. I heard something last Sunday after the service. Somebody told me this little girl, 13-year-old girl, came up and wrapped her arms around this uh, older person and said, I want you to know I just love you and appreciate you. That did something for that person. Let's all do it. Careful who you're hugging, but let's all do it. (laughs) A blessing that was never wasted and a love that never wavers. We see that in that ninth verse. He said, so in that day Moses swore to me, the land which you, your feet have walked will be your inheritance and your, with your children and your children forever because you have followed the Lord God wholeheartedly. He, uh, he inherited that place called Hebron, which has in it the, place, the meaning of love and victory. And I'll tell you, as we follow through in what you have heard here today, all the strongholds that Satan may have built up in your heart and mind and patterns of failure over however many years that they, those patterns of failure have been, those strongholds can be broken by the power of the living God who has promised to break those strongholds if we have a persevering faith and we don't give up and we press on to the glory of God. The greatest obstacles will bring about the greatest victories. We can overcome whatever needs to be overcome if we fully follow the Lord.